Today's show is sponsored by Miracle Made. And oh my God, you guys, you know that I love a luxurious set of sheets. And I now have such a set of sheets because of a miracle made. They are bedding that has been inspired by NASA. They've got silver infused fabrics that actually make temperature regulating a thing. Uh, so you're not like getting too hot or too cold or whatever, you know, the whole thing that happens with your body's temperature losing its mind. Miracle made helps with that. One of the little things that my husband particularly loves about Miracle Made is that it like doesn't have as much bacteria as regular sheets because of it's infused with this silver that prevents up to 99.7% of bacterial growth. So it leaves the sheets cleaner for longer. And then the thing for my husband is that it doesn't give him acne, which is like an issue for some people. But more than all of that, it's just luxuriously comfortable and delightful. And it has that cooling feeling while also being cozy. Very hard to achieve those two things at the same time. I mean, miracle made, come on, well done. So here's what I think you should do. I think you should go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and buy some sheets today. And if you order today, you can save 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation at the checkout and you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. So there's just a lot of savings here, folks. Order today, you'll get 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation. And Miracle's so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30 day money back guarantee. So if you're not 100% satisfied, which I don't see happening, um, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and use the code fake the nation to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash fake the nation to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. This is a HeadGum Podcast. Fake the Nation, episode 387. Hello, hello. This is Fake the Nation, where we talk about news, we talk about culture, and where we finally talk about drug use on this podcast. I'm your host, Nagin Farsad. And today we're going to talk about how I tripped balls via a boatload of magic mushrooms. So buckle up. We'll also talk about person of the year, Taylor Swift. We'll talk about how Gen Z celebrates the holidays and about university presidents scoring an own goal at a congressional hearing. Today, I'm joined by... Oh my God, what a panel. I'm joined by an incredible panel. Uh, We're doing the spirit of the holidays right here. Uh, A newly off strike unemployed actor joins us, (laughs) but she's actually been gainfully employed and on very many television shows in her time. Um, She also, uh, I've actually been on the street with her when people stop her to say that they love her in this or that show. I've also seen her in um, uh, on stage uh, doing the Pulitzer Prize winning um, play English. Uh, She is incredibly talented. You've heard her on the show before. It is the one and only Tala Ash. Hey, Tala. Hi. Thanks for having this unemployed actor on. (laughs) Um, Also joining us. Now, you have heard me uh, many a time 
work with this wonderful, wonderful comedian. Um, you can also see her at the Tower Theater in Oklahoma City on Friday and in El Cajon to the Magnolia Theater on Friday, December 22nd. She's also host of the podcast Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone because she is the iconic and legendary Paula Poundstone. Hey, Paula. Hey, you guys. And before we get into the show, I just remind listeners to go to patreon.com slash Nagin Farsat to support the show for as little as $4 a month. You get extra episodes of the show. Oh, my God. Um, plus, there's other tiers for more stuff. It's super great. Go to patreon.com slash Nagin Farsad. And also, for just $1, you can support the show and get, like, literally nothing out of it except for the knowledge that you support the show. So there's a tier for everybody. Also, don't forget to leave your Apple reviews. In the new year, we'll go back to reading those delightful reviews. Um, so uh, don't forget to leave a review of the show uh, that I hope that you love uh, on Apple reviews. And maybe you're lukewarm about it, but still have been listening for a very long time. I don't know. Now, let us get into it with topic number one. We're going to get a taste of cultural going goings-on in our amuse-bouche segment. First up, tickling our social taste buds is the Times Person of the Year. This year, it is, in fact, Taylor Swift. Now, maybe this was unsurprising, um, but I guess what, what did you think of Taylor getting this accolade? Uh, Paula? Um, that was great. I, 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 uh, you, you know, a lot of people think that the um, person of the year is, uh, you know, the most popular person or the, the person that Time Magazine likes the most. And, uh, and it isn't. It's, it's the person that sort of altered the headlines the most, I think, is the way they say it or uh-huh. something like that. Like it's a person that, you know, affected some sort of change. Um, and I think that it's it's fascinating that the right wing is very against Taylor Swift being that person because remember when Greta Thunberg was time Times Person of the Year? Oh and I yeah, think, mm-hmm. I think Trump was still president and he was so mad about it because he wants that right. And I think he I think he still interprets it because because at one point it was Hitler. Um, again, not the most popular person. But the person that had the most you know, impact changed the headlines a lot. Um, but Trump, I think, thinks of it as uh, as like a popularity thing, uh, and he really wants it. Isn't that the thing that he has fake copies of framed? <laughs> That's right. I forgot about that. Right. Yeah. At his golf clubs, he has himself, uh, you know, on the cover of Time magazine. I think under the headline of Man of the Year. So I was thinking that it might be helpful because I, you know, when I want my dog to leave me alone, I'll give her, you know, something to chew on, something to do. Or when you have little kids, you know, you're trying to get get a spare, say you give them some. So I, I've always thought that we should just give Trump like a variety show, <laughs> uh, you know, just yeah, yeah, just yeah. Sacrifice say, an hour you know, of of, uh, of television a e- night. Exactly. Just say we think you're really funny. Here's your show. I'm sure it would get good ratings, and it would keep him busy you know, away from politics. Yeah, he needs like a hobby. Uh, well, exactly. But I was thinking in the in 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 the uh, in terms of this magazine cover thing, uh, person of the year. Um, we could just come up with another magazine. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like he could be man of the year on the cover of the Weekly Victim. Um, that's <laughs> something that I think he would like. Or, and I think this one will really appeal to him, man of the year uh, 
on Mussolini's Skateers magazine. <laughs> so, Tala, I have a question for you, which is like, wh- the minute this time of the year, uh, person of the year thing happened, um, I I remember feeling like uh, one of my, like uh, one of the, actually the Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me writers, Ian Chillag, was saying, like he felt like, there was a backlash to Taylor Swift. Like the mere act of being anointed person of the year makes people kind of dislike you in some way. Um, what do you think of, did you feel a backlash at all? Or is this just in? Oh, yeah. Um, okay, <laughs> so did. talk to me about Honestly, the backlash. I am more scared to wade into these waters than like Israel-Palestine. The Swifties <laughs> are like not messing around. I do not want to incur their wrath. However, um, while I have respect for this, you know, very successful female artist, uh, did I personally think that there were um, people and things happening in the world that could have used this attention? I did. And I think in my personal social circles, I felt that reflected. That said, the fact that Republicans think she's like an agent of the deep state, um, I think it's amazing. It's really incredible. And actually, like, I think they're just jealous that they, you know, perceive her. They're like, this is like a white woman. Why isn't she like with us? You know, like we could use her as an agent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I think they're, uh, I think they're just bitter. And they, uh, I think ultimately, they just don't like powerful women, which is very on brand, very on brand. Well, I also think Trump's behind it. Sure. He, you know, that he, the whole right wing backlash against her. And are there other topics and other people that deserve attention? Yeah, but you know what? It's Time Magazine. You know, does anybody, are we really rising and falling on what they chose? I don't know. I felt like it was sort of uplifting. And in a time where everything. Right, that it wasn't, it wasn't about some political thing or some, you know, dire economic thing. It was like literally, hey, this lady like did a lot of concerts that people went to. (laughs) She, she she dated a guy. She she was a factor in changing the economy for God's sake. And she, uh, and she registered, you know, hundreds of thousands of people to vote. That is true. I do feel she has credentials uh, you know i have some of her songs on my flat thing uh, honestly <laughs> i i couldn't say the name of one of her songs but i feel like her presence and the swifties and the you know there are very few uplifting no she's definitely tapped into something deep and yeah. real for a lot of the population uh, yeah and the songs that i have i like I just, you know. Yeah, they're catchy. I can't sing them, but she, uh, you know, I can do Holly Jolly Christmas, but she doesn't sing that. Um, I can only sing songs that I've heard literally a million times. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I, I just, and and again, do is, is anything going to rise and fall on what Time Magazine puts on the cover of their thingy? No, it, it isn't. No. Uh, so in general, I just felt like, it was a nice choice. All right, it was, you know, it was a nice choice. I I like that take, and I think that and the and the the Taylor bump or whatever they they call it when there was more 
people register to vote and like whatever that whole thing is like an actual political phenomenon so i i think i think you're right she's both it's both like an uh, a lady who sings some songs and does some concerts but also someone who's had incredible impact on the economy and can have an incredible impact on the vote so let's see what happens let me ask you guys about gen z holiday celebration style so there was a poll um of 2000 gen z and um and millennials that found that when it comes to holiday decor a third prefer the classic traditional decor 20 percent prefer to keep everything wintry and white and 14 percent like to embrace trendy artistic decor so do you feel like this is a like a big departure from the norm. I don't know why this this was an article, but uh, from the New York Post. Um, but I don't know. Did this strike you as like? <laughs> All right, wait. Before we go any further, someone has to define for me these terms that I have never understood. Okay. What is Gen Z? What is Gen X? And what is Millennial? I have no idea. Oh my God! Yeah. Okay. So what is Gen? So Gen. I know millennial is like, I think they were born in 1980. I think it's everyone. Yeah. Everyone at, oh God, before 1980, right? Is. Or no. I think Gen X is between like, I think Gen X is between 85, like maybe 65 and 80 or something. And Gen Z is between 97 and 2012. If you were born between 97 and 2012. So it's people who are right now like 25-ish whatever oh my god is that math right okay i don't understand it any no. better now than no. i do when i asked you <laughs> all i know is i am an i am an elder millennial i've been told which is just really humiliating <laughs> sounds beautiful yeah sounds yeah, lovely yeah. you know what the proper response to that is fuck off <laughs> Well, okay, so so Tala, as an elder millennial, do you feel like your cohort was more of a traditional Christmas uh, stylist than the Gen Z cohort, which is in their 20s? First of all, none of these people own homes. I don't know what they're decorating. <laughs> like, you, do you mean like the tree I went and got like at the, at the bodega? Like, I guess I have like a traditional style with that. I don't know. This is like a crazy, this is it crazy. It is crazy. Me, okay, let me, ca- okay, so, but Paula, let me tell you one more statistic that I actually thought was very interesting. Um, 40%, 46% of both those generations like their gifts to follow a specific theme. And here's the one I found crazy. 52%, 52% are willing to spend at least $100 on wrapping materials to make sure that gifts stick to an aesthetic. Wow. Uh, how important were wrapping materials to whatever generation you belong in because we're unclear on generations in general. Um, okay, when I was a kid and and my sisters and I would sometimes, you know, wrap presents together, uh, what was very important to us was for the pattern of the wrapping paper uh-huh. to match where the ends were connected. Oh, I see. Yes, that's nice. Now, that's you nice. couldn't always work that out. Sometimes if you just folded the paper a little bit, you could do it. But, you know, let us it wasn't something that always happened. happened. Right. Uh, but w- when it did, uh, it was kind of like a modern uh, 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 
one-armed bandit in a casino where uh, no money shot out, but everybody cheered. It was uh, <laughs> it was very exciting. So that was, um, and uh, I went through a little phase where I would just put things in a burlap sack. I wouldn't wrap. Um, and, uh, but yeah, no, never really cared that much about that. Um, and, but, and I also have, uh, been what some people might say guilty of, um, buying wrapping paper at the CVS after Christmas Ooh. in order to catch the sale. Catching that's the smart. sale. And that's his intelligence. And then, <laughs> and then just keeping it in storage. Uh, Here, my, for- my take is that. This is a generation that's received so many that that really values packaging in a way that like I like I I think that if you grew up with Apple products and the very first Apple, I mean, I think one of the things besides the actual iPhone, the thing that everybody talked about was the dumb box that the iPhone came in or the dumb box that your that your that your MacBook came in. And so there was something about packaging that like it that became, I think, like an obsession for for a lot of us. And so I'm kind of unsurprised that gift wrapping has become such a big part of this process. I do think it's horrible because it's so wasteful you know what i mean like if i can reuse gift paper that is i absolutely do you know what i mean like i am all about and i also was one of those people that would like take like you know magazines and cut them up and stick them together and like you know and make that into gift wrapping paper because i was just like whatever we can do um absolutely yeah it's it's horrible okay i think there's an important factor if i understood this topic correctly uh-huh i believe this survey that came up with these statistics i and I, unless i'm imagining this i think the survey was done by michael's yeah no you're right <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> right which yeah. throws a wrench into any facts that c- because it's all entirely in michael's interest to have and and who knows who the sample group was um you know what? Did they get the people from the styrofoam ball aisle? Uh, <laughs> I don't know when you were last at Michael's, but there's an aisle there that has styrofoam uh, balls and little pyramid shapes and cubes, any shape you can think of. Uh, there's styrofoam to go with it there in the Michael's. So I do think that. I mean, I do think that kind of mucks up the works here. I, I mean, oh looky. They found young people like to make de- their own decorations. It's a new trend. And yes, within the Michaels. Uh, <laughs> right. I, I think that, you know, if you were just to go to, you know, like a subway stop, I don't think you're going to find that same uh, enthusiasm. You know, yeah, yeah. You know, Tony the Tiger could find that lots of hip young adults like to decorate with frosted flakes. I think. <laughs> There is. <laughs> I, 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 I think there is a You're saying it's biased. thing here. The New York uh, Post did not do a, a clean, clean. Yeah, yeah. The jur- <laughs> there, there wasn't a, a, a utter. There wasn't like journalism a control. Integrity. This was not. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is yeah, not entirely yeah. scientific. Okay. Uh, well, le- 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 apparently Levi's found that really attractive people love to decorate their front <laughs> yards with frozen jeans. So there is. <laughs> 
McDonald's found that employees don't want to be paid well at all. <laughs> so there are, you know, I think that there's bias. I think bias is the right word. All right. Well, you know what, folks, let me know. Where are you on this um, issue of um, how do you style your home? Are you a traditionalist? Are you new and trendy? What are you doing? I'm so curious to hear. And does it does your generational affiliation, such as it is, factor at all? Um, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to continue. Today's show is sponsored by Pros. This is kind of, I feel like, you know, I'm on some sort of Lord of the Rings journey trying to figure out skincare. And I feel like this customized skincare line is really got my name on it. Basically, every bottle of Pro's custom hair care and skincare, I tried the skincare just recently, is made to order and it's personalized. It's got a unique blend of naturally powerful and proven effective ingredients to meet your needs, like specifically you. And then the way they do it is you take this great, like in-depth quiz, basically. They analyze over 80 factors for a complete view of your life, your beauty goals, Um, Like I have oily skin that's also dry, which is just a fun little conundrum. I live in New York City. Like we've got these four seasons. My my face gets weird during seasonal shifts. Um, I all of these things I got to kind of talk about in like in answering the questions. Um, The other fun thing was they asked us at the end, like, do you like a creamy type of moisturizer or like a less creamy kind? And I was kind of like, I think like less creamy. And they were like, that's fine. Like you can do that, but we think for your skin type, creamier is better. And I never knew that. So I love that there's so much kind of personal information that goes into creating this. I got my stuff in the mail very quickly after I got a wonderful serum. Like I said, this very creamy moisturizer. Um, And this also very just delectably creamy cleanser that just kind of feel like I, I think it's possible that I've been washing my face with just like harsh harshness like many years because when I saw this cleanser I was like oh is this what it's supposed to feel like it's supposed to feel like a little bit of a delight on my face that's not what I've been doing so I don't know guys and here's the thing you don't have to take my word for it in a third-party double-blind dermatologist supervised controlled clinical study um, which is like the gold standard for research studies pros prove that personalization works better than off-the-shelf alternatives which just sort of totally makes sense on a just logical level if you think about it. Just it makes common sense. Pros is so confident that you'll love your results that they're offering my listeners an exclusive trial offer so you can see the difference custom care can make. 50% of your first subscription order at pros.com slash fake the nation will be taken off. That's Pros.com slash fake the nation. You get your free consultation and 50% off your one of a kind formulas. Uh, again, that's pros.com slash fake the nation. Go and get your just super personalized, luxurious skincare products and hair care products. That's what I'm going to try next. So pros.com slash fake the nation. I am the type of person that has subscribed to things and I have forgotten about those things. 
I have paid twice for a children's educational app. And I didn't know that I was paying twice for several months. Until that is, I discovered Rocket Money. And because I use Rocket Money, it just showed up all these things. The thing that I was paying twice for that made me incredibly angry. Thank God Rocket Money ended that for me. It also cancels the subscription for you. So you don't have to like go through the hassle of going to that site and figuring out how to cancel. They actually make canceling very difficult. I don't know if any of you have had the experience, but I have been on a like a roundabout eight exit nightmare trying to unsubscribe to something before. Rocket money eliminates that hassle. It also alerts you to an increase in subscription price. And this is something Rocket Money did for me. It negotiates a lower price for something you already subscribe to. So like for my cable bill, it got me a lower price. And I was very happy about that. Nearly 75% of people have subscriptions that they've forgotten about, which makes me feel better because I'm one of them. But it makes me feel terrible because what are we doing? Losing that money. Uh, I don't want to waste that money. And I know you don't want to waste that money. If you struggle with these kinds of purchases, if you struggle with finances in general, Rocket Money will help you with the budgeting, help you track your expenses, help you, like I said, cancel those unwanted subscription. It's a personal finance app that finds and cancels unwanted subscriptions. It monitors your spending. It helps you lower your bills so you can get back to saving. I mean, me and my husband have been on the warpath and rocket money has been a really big part of that. It has over 5 million users with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. The average member has saved up to $740 a year using the app's features, which is, I mean, that tracks for me. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions. Go to rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Again, that's rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Save the money at rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. And we are back and we're ready for topic number two. Last week, the presidents of MIT, UPenn, and Harvard testified to Congress about anti-Semitism on campus, and Elise Stefanik really tried to pin them on whether or not calls for intifada were against the university's code of conduct. Now, my question is, I'm sure you've heard the, the, the sound bites that kind of went all over the internet and all over the news. What happened here? I mean, there's a b- bunch of angles upon which to view this, and I I will share my angles. My, my but I'm curious, what were what were your initial thoughts about this whole mess, Tala? I think it's really tricky. Um, I think it was a, a, a form of political theater for sure. I think it was an opportunity for the Republicans to. Uh, call out, quote unquote, woke culture um, and, and an issue that's like obviously very hot button right now. Um, but I think I mean, I just I found I found her line of questioning uh, Stefan- Stefanik, like particularly disingenuous. I was like, your followers believe in the replacement theory. And like, we're <laughs> supposed to believe that you care about anti-Semitism. Also, she's she's salty because she's from Harvard. And didn't she get kicked off a board or something? Like, yeah, it just she felt did. like there was like a vendetta around all of it that. But I think it's I just think it's like it's super complicated. Obviously, these these, all of them, women presidents and these, you know, institutions, I do not envy anyone who's like the head of a cultural or educational institute right now who are trying to protect free speech. Um, 
and they're coming at it. They came at it from like a legal definition and people wanted a moralistic response and their responses, I think, were not uh, not ideal. But I think they were also like caught in political theater and like it was a like it was a kind of gotcha situation. So I kind of think they were like set up to to fail no matter what. Yeah. I mean, I like so I'm of many minds about this. My first mind is that I don't think Stefanik actually cares about anti-Semitism as evidenced that you mentioned by her MAGA affiliation. She used a replacement theory rhetoric in her campaign ads. So this seems super ridiculous for her to be the champion of it, you know, suddenly. Um, my other mind is that, like you mentioned, she's a Harvard alum, so there's some score settling. I have another mind that she, um, she, you know, she, that the, the Congress in general or the Republicans in Congress want to undermine elite institutions. So it's like kind of like, why did they choose these particular schools? Like, you know what I mean? That the whole choice because they of don't these like powerful schools. women. <laughs> They're all women. <laughs> well, I know it's like th- three female presidents yeah. it, from three elite universities who they think are like the, you know, the banner holders of this wokeness that they think is a poison or whatever. So that I think is also like, you know, disingenuous. Um, Also, the other annoying thing is that if you hear the boring parts of the congressional testimony, they do vociferously denounce, um, vociferously denounce anti-Semitism. And so it's just that like, in the moment that got shared, where Stefan—and again, I'm not saying they did it well. I think they need better media training because the thing about being a president of a university is that you're the spokesperson, and like, what are you doing when you get answered asked a question like that? Why didn't yeah. you just say yeah. absolutely yeah. that's not yeah. a part of our, um, you know, code of and conduct also, or whatever? Is, and it is you know. inciting. They kept on like referencing like it's it's not like actually inciting violence. And I'm like, it it is. <laughs> That that is inciting violence. That like, is inciting violence. Why didn't you say that? I don't know. Yeah, Paula, yeah. where where did you land on this? Elise Stefanik and the word morals. Can't, <laughs> right? She, she can't even credibly ask the questions. Uh, you know, she supports uh, you know a, a, a man who uh, you know wants to shoot protesters uh you know peaceful protest it's just they don't they they and and a guy who wants to be a dictator a guy who if he was involved this is trump of course that a guy that were he back in power um would uh quote unquote settle the uh, gaza uh hamas israeli thing by just supporting wiping out Gaza, they don't get to ask the questions even. Mm. And I agree with you that probably they didn't answer the questions sort of as snappily as they might have. Um, but but overall, the wrong people are asking the questions mm-hmm. to begin with. Um, I have to say, mm-hmm. uh, having, uh, you know, having ventured that much, uh, I, I am shamefully ignorant of other parts of the world. Uh, I don't, I don't, travel the world uh, because I have a lot of pets. <laughs> uh-huh. I, I just, I can't be away <laughs> that long. Um, I did do some, you know, uh, international travel before I had kids. Uh, um, but I, I haven't in many, many years. And I, um, I didn't go to college. I don't have, a, I'm not a historian. I know some stuff, but I don't know lots of stuff. 
I don't really understand free speech laws. Um, You you know, people like argue, like, for example, people will say like, oh, I was censored by Twitter. But my understanding is that Twitter can't really censor because they're not. um, What's the word? Uh, It's government that can censor. Yeah. And Twitter being a private business. But so I, you know, it is a. And my worldview, maybe a little bit naive, it's um, it's very Peter, Paul and Mary. I I would really like to go to Israel, to the Gaza Strip, and just say, ooh, ooh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> it's very, it's very. If I had a hammer, that's right, my right, right. It's, yeah, it's yeah. Very, no, I mean that's. That's that's lovely. Um, it's not I, nuanced. It's, I, not, it's not backed up with a lot of information. So therefore, I I barely speak on the topic because I generally believe that people shouldn't kill each other. That's something I feel strongly about. And yet, having said that, I feel very strongly that we should arm uh, the Ukraine, or excuse me, Ukraine, um, uh, because uh, because uh, what's his name, the guy who you never yes, who you should never have tea with or stand near a window uh, with uh, uh, won't stop. Uh, So that's really broken a lot of my Putin has destroyed some of my Peter Paul and Mary world philosophy. Let me let me add this, though. You know, I, I, I think I think you guys are, you know, on the mark about so much of this. And then one thing that happened in the in the hearing that I thought was interesting was that the Republicans talked about events that were canceled on campus and ones that weren't canceled, um, that they canceled some events that were sort of like 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 literally canceled, like this event is no longer happening because a speaker was like maybe on the right or whatever. There was a, maybe an anti-immigrant something that was going to happen on campus. They canceled that, but then they didn't cancel like something that was pro-Palestinian, whatever. I think that, like, if the Republicans are trying to make a point about free speech, um, which they weren't specifically trying to do, (laughs) that's like, that's the funny thing. That's not was not the point, really. But in in a couple of moments, they did did make that point that they and I agree. Universities should not shut down anti-immigrant speeches. They shouldn't ban speeches from fuckbags who suck, because even though those fuckbags totally suck, they have the right to air their opinions. You know what I mean? And oh my um, God. and I am like, I, you know, I was on the Columbia University campus. I, you know, went to Columbia for grad school when people like Ahmadinejad were invited. They invite a bunch of like real shitty world leaders to come speak so that the students can know what it is that these shitty world leaders think and um and i was always on the side of yeah we need to know what shitty people think and what non-shitty people think you know what i mean and the range in between so i feel like when it comes to that um the gop is right i i've always bristled at 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 a university canceling a speech from from fucking i don't know jordan peterson or whatever um i i i agree that that's not something that should happen and then the other thing i would say is this is again not a point that i feel like was being made in congress that day but one of the things that happened for me with the black lives movement was that we took you know was that this feeling that we took a moment as a society to give black lives their recognition like recognition that we had never really given them um 
and I don't, you know, and who knows if we did enough at that time, you know, definitely not probably. Um, but I think one thing that I seemed, would lean towards not. Yeah, mm-hmm. when, I mean, in ter- I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how you measure recognition specifically. So whatever. But my point is, my, the feeling that I got was not just is, is that e- that every group deserves that moment. We're like a pluralistic society. We are very heterogeneous, and I feel like every group deserves that kind of moment. And the one thing that the speakers, that the, you know, that the sound bites didn't relay to us was a moment of recognition from those presidents. And because that's what, you know, the Jewish students in the moment of fear, what they want, you know, and what they deserve, you know what I mean? And so, um, yeah, and, and I, and, and, and Muslims, get to have that moment and maybe those moments can't happen at the same time maybe they can i don't know what the rules are um but but i but i feel like you know everyone wants that moment i don't know does that inspire anything in either of you (laughs) well first of all i want to say that fuckbags who suck could be another magazine that trump could be on the cover of Yeah, um, no, Prince yeah, is definitely. not dead. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, well, folks, and also I just want to like let listeners know we obviously like have a hard time talking about these things and get super worried about what we know and what we don't know and what we could say and what you know whatever. So just so just know, I think the three of us um, have um, like very good intentions. Hello, hi. Uh, this is Andrew McGuire, producer of Fake the Nation, and I am making my microphone debut right now um, to share with you some disappointing news um, for the rest of this episode. Just this last topic, Paula Poundstone, we we lost her audiophile. So if you're wondering, gee, um, Paula doesn't really have anything to say about this topic. That is completely why, unfortunately, we love Paula. It's a shame that we lost the audio, but I'm, we're glad that we're, we have... Um, everything up until this point. Um, I just want to plug all of Paula's great work. Um, You should absolutely listen to Paula's podcast, Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, um, everywhere that you get your podcasts, and also see her live. Um, You can go to paulapoundstone.com to find out all of the information for Paula. The rest of the episode will be an edited version to make it sound like Tala and um, Nagin are having a conversation just without the presence of Paula. Um, Thank you so much for listening, and you're going to go back into the episode right now. Um, And now let's move on to topic number three. Okay, so this is a weird one, but I have to let everybody know that over the summer, and I I briefly mentioned this in in the past, but over the summer I did, um, I had a very interesting gig, which is writing for a travel magazine um, that sent me to a mushroom retreat in Jamaica where I did um, like really large amounts of psilocybin uh i went and i tripped a shit ton it was a week-long retreat we did three therapeutic doses of magic mushrooms um and after each dose day was like a rest day where we broke it down um with therapists in like a group therapy kind of atmosphere uh and this article has finally come out you can read this 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 uh, piece in a far magazine um and uh but I, but ever since I did it and I've, you know, told people how the whole experience was or whatever, 
people just have a thousand questions about it. And um, I just figured this would be um, a decent moment to take a minute and talk about this particular experience that I had and just psychedelics in general. So my question to start off is, do you have you done mushrooms and are you curious about them? What's your relationship to psychedelics? So Nagin, I, I read your article. First of all, everybody should read it. It's wonderfully written and just really, really, really fascinating. Um, Thank you. I, uh, similar to you, have <laughs> grew up very straight edge, like smoke some weed, but like pretty much, you know, not into drugs, was always pretty afraid of them. And it's only recently that I've opened my mind to them. And uh-huh. I have I have done some um like small By the way, of I feel the I feel the Iranian I feel the Iranianness coming through on you right now where you're yeah. like very gently being like, I'm opened my mind to them recently. Okay. That's right. so you know. Yes, we recognize each other. Um Yeah. But about <laughs> about a year ago, I went to a place, which I will not name because it was in America and it is not legal here, where Amazing. they uh, administer mushrooms and other plant medicine. You go, you spend the night in like a little mat in like sort of a mansion and <laughs> okay. you like have an experience. You're, you like meditate a little bit and then they give you, and I did it sort of on a whim, actually, having done really no drugs up to this point. They yeah. didn't give me mushrooms, I think, because there's like an intake process where you like talk to the person who's going to give it to you. And I think I was crying so hard that she was like, you can't handle the mushrooms. <laughs> so she what did gave they me, give you? So they gave me sassafras, which I guess is sort of like the medicinal, um, the, the plant medicine equivalent of MDMA. Okay, and hilarious. I had this very, very profound experience. Uh, I like saw my ancestors. I saw my younger self, like sort of all the cliche things, but it was very profound because yes. it was happening to me. It totally, you know, it felt like everything that everyone says, which is like, this is, you know, years of therapy into one night. But here's yeah. my question for you, Nagin. Yes. I had a really hard time, l- like, letting go to it. And at some point, oh, I remember yeah. getting up and going up to one of the people who was, you know, sort of whatever, a docent, wa- watching the proceedings. And I was like, dude, this isn't going to happen. This isn't happening for me. And he was like, okay, okay. So d- can you just lay down and, like, can I touch your feet? And I was like, yeah, whatever. Like, touch my feet. I don't, this isn't happening for me. And, he started to rub my feet and I like felt my whole body sort of like heat up and like the, oh the trip happened, but it was really hard for me to let go. So that is, that's one of my questions for you. Like that first time, was there resistance? Like, was there resistance to the experience? Cause it is, there is like a fear element. I mean, and it sounds like scary, what you yeah. went through was like truly, truly scary. So anyway, I think it's awesome. <laughs> I was very inspired. I kind of want to do it. Um, oh. Everybody should read the article. <laughs> I, it's funny to, to like look back at a, at a trip and wonder if any of the things that you thought were so profound were just like total incorrect reads on the situation. <laughs> but um, I like, so to answer your question, Tala, my first trip, again, like I don't really do, I barely drink at all. Like I just don't do very much at all. And so um, the idea that I was, first of all, the one, that was sent to, to this mushroom retreat to do uh, ridiculous <laughs> amounts of psilocybin was already weird. Um, and oddly, in my first trip, because I kind of super didn't know 
what to expect. And what they do is like they set you up in a lounge chair. They ha- there's handlers around. There's therapists around. There's nurses around. It is like the, you're extremely care- cared for. Oh, that's the dream um, scenario. It's the dream scenario. You just it's, If you don't know what's going on, you just don't want to be alone. You don't want to think like for any second that you're not someone's not looking after you and I was being totally looked after so I think I could just like melt into it and it was like fine I will say the first trip and also the other thing they do is they make you wear eye masks so that you don't see anything even though you're in like a beautiful tropical location and the you know the the waves are gently um rushing on the shore and all that stuff you're not supposed to look at any of it because you're supposed to go inside and fucking deal with your your traumas but like I but so the first trip you know I cried for several hours and I had a lot of realizations blah 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 but like I cried for a lot and it was so that first trip I got out of it and I was just like fuck dude that was like a lot of crying and so so for the second trip I think my body did have a hard time giving into it because I just didn't want to cry again um and and the idea of spending another day just like crying and and, and to be honest I did cry again that oh, sure. said yeah. <laughs> yeah you know um and also the thing that I had the hardest time with, with is it, this thing they call an ego death where you sort of like let yourself dissolve into the earth and that you don't matter and you're one with the earth that I was like in a in an argument with my trip where I was like my trip wanted me to be a sunset and I was like I don't know fucking how to be a sunset leave me alone and the trip was like oh you've got to go do it you know and it was a very contentious um ego death uh I finally did like become the sunset so like I did it and that worked out and I was one with the earth and whatever but but in general like I I'll say and um you know I don't know if you would encourage people to do sassafras which I didn't know is what mm-hmm, any of mm-hmm. the thing was called <laughs> um but I I think that again, if you've if you've had a relationship with with therapy where you're like, I've been doing therapy for th- for years, and I'm not exactly sure what it's doing, or like the change is so incremental as to be frustrating. I think that you know psilocybin is a good alternative because you just you you in, end up embodying a lot of these realizations so much faster. I don't know, Tala, what did you think? Well, that's it, right? It's like there's there's a I think actually like talk therapy is a great primer for understanding what you go through when you go through these yes, things. I'm talking yes. as though I've done a lot of these, but whatever. Um, but there is a very very different experience to the body understanding something versus the mind. And that was my experience. I was like, oh, all these things that I've known, you know, intellectually, uh, now my body understands them. And that's, that's like the profound part. And that's why I think people say like, that's 10 years of therapy in one night, you know? Um, Well, folks, if you have any questions about psychedelics, a a lot of you DM me on Instagram and on uh, Twitter, increasingly less so on Twitter. Mm -hmm. Um, But (laughs) but feel free to um, ask me questions and check out the piece again of all of the things I've done and written about this has been the most free like asked I, people ask me so many things about this um, I think the piece is long it's like a nice meaty read um, and ho- hopefully a lot of your questions will be answered but like yeah consider me a resource of someone who is absolutely not an expert but a comedian who did mushrooms three times okay so that's my expertise <laughs> okay folks um, that is 
is the end of the show. I am so happy that you guys joined me. This was so fun. Um, I really want for the people of Fake the Nation to be able to follow you and all the wonderful things that you do. Where do they do that? I'm just on Instagram. I'm on Instagram these days, and that's the only one. It's at Tala Ash, and that's uh, that's where I am, I guess. Yes, definitely find her on Instagram. She posted the uh, wonderful things. Um, <laughs> and, and just j- in general, watch out for, you know, the next screen upon which you will yes, see watch the works out. of <laughs> And you know, folks, you know where to find me. And if you want to get another dose of the Nagin Farsad Paula Poundstone on one show hit, you can um, hear that um, on this last weekend's episode of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, where I was guest hosting and Paula was on the panel and it was super duper fun. And uh, also I'm going to be at Carnegie Hall on Friday, this Friday, December 15th with Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. And also also, um, you can read that mushroom story I talked about on a, in a farm magazine. Um, just Google it, Nagin Farsad and mushroom. That is the first link that comes up. I want to thank everyone who makes this show a possibility. That's our wonderful producer, Andrew McGuire. Thanks to Gabby Alter for our theme music. Thanks to everyone at Headgum for making the show a possibility. If you have any thoughts um, or questions, you can email us at fakethenationpodcast at gmail.com. And we will be back in your earballs next week. That was a HeadGum Podcast.